previously on Box Cutters. Have you been writing these segues ahead of time? Or are you just making them up? I'm just very talented, Brett. You're great. He, he, Josh's segues lately, in the last few episodes of Box Cutters, have been, like, seamless. I actually have to, like, double-check. It's like... I, I can't believe the segues lately. Maybe we need a ding when it's a new story. I needed a ding. I needed... Josh to say, new story, because I'm about to do some crazy wheelies. I'm going to do a wheelie segue right now. You watch the way that I pull this shit off. Josh, keep going with the story. This is amazing. By the way, for those all at home, we're on to the next story. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 332. And then my friend Troy came up with Dennis Naptime. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Glenn Peters. Hello. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we will have Con Francescos talking about advertising. We'll also talk about House of Cards. I like House of Cards, so I'm going to tell you about how much I like it. Okay, good, good. Uh, you know, we're talking about the TV show, not just playing cart, like building a house with cart. Oh, gosh, and i got a permit and everything. <sighs> Glenn! Uh, we've got Cherry on Top with Brenna Connie Glazebrook. Yay! We get to play that beautiful Cherry on Top opener again. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It made Courtney feel great last week. <laughs> Not at all freaked out, so I'm, I'm happy to see Glenn's reaction. So it's one of the it's one of the least scary uh, intros we've got as well, uh, as far as box cutters carts go. It's quite sweet; it just sort of comes out of left field. But I like it. I like what you've done with it. Oh, good, good. Uh, we'll finish everything off with pork. Uh, we're also going to talk about one thing to watch this week on television. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. <laughs> So TV2 in Denmark used a screenshot from a computer game uh, from Assassin's Creed mm. pretending that it was Damascus. They got it mixed up. Um, so it was just a uh, still? Uh, I believe so. I believe at, uh, at least this time it wasn't video footage from actual gameplay. That the uh, This is uh, according to uh, AP uh, or AAP, one of them. Who can tell the difference? Really, if, you, if your acronyms are that close together, just pretend you're the same place. From one of those news, news sources, uh, that uh, the backdrop behind a news anchor uh, on February 26th came from the adventure game Assassin's Creed. So it was just a still. In, uh, in, in, in web design, we have this thing called content strategy. And part of that content strategy is making sure that you know all of the content that you have that you can put up on a website, where it lives, and how to access it if you need to put something else up. It's, it's the same that I would assume a newspaper or a TV news uh, archive system would have, where they would say, oh, we need a photo of Damascus. Well, I've got a photo of Damascus right here. And you go to your verified photos of Damascus folder <laughs> and pick up a verified photo of Damascus. How could you even... And this is not the well, first time this has happened. But if they're using an intern or the work experience, Kid. There's not there's not the same amount of money for, for quality journalism in, in media anymore. Oh, that's rubbish, Brett. Um, anyway, I'm just saying. Remember, remember, remember that that TV that TV station that had the I think it was a footage of a sinking ship, and it was from uh, like it, it was from some movie. Yes, that, and this is not. This is happening again and again and again. I think it's it's the was, was that from Titanic? It may have been from Titanic. <laughs> no, I think it was that was from our Mario Brothers when he goes under the water for the coins. Because we see TV news cutting corners a lot. We see it in in Australia. We see it in international. We're, we're, there's just not enough time for the research. There's just not enough time to actually cover the news that's important. And this week, the Herald Sun, uh, the the Melbourne newspaper, was quite angry at TV networks uh, around Australia for completely ignoring the leadership spill and uh, and huge problems in the Victorian Parliament until well late in the story. Their, their claim is that uh, TV coverage has really gone 
uh, out of focus with with Melbourne and that it is entirely Sydney centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say the events of last Wednesday night served as a perfect reminder of just how Sydney centric television networks are, with not one free to air network breaking their programming to bring us coverage of Ted Bailey's press conference. Hey, by the way, you know what I did? I did a really nerdy thing when I got frustrated with the media um, not showing any of the Bailey stuff. You walked Storm from your Springs house to Street. Parliament House. I did. <laughs> really? <laughs> I did. I, I couldn't it's, it's get well in. within walking distance. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I was expecting so many people there, but there was nothing going on. Look, I was on the way. <laughs> like I, a little stage set up on the steps. Yeah, Just yeah. off to the side. There was a couple of bozos really bored, but it was all happening inside. But yeah, I wanted, I wanted the history. I wanted to get in amongst it. So you you had the opportunity to uh, to... to uh, broadcast live from Parliament House as well, and chose not to. You didn't even. Did you even tweet from it? I, I tweeted something completely different from it because it was dull. There was four guys outside, and what was happening inside Parliament House just by then was people just running around like they do in the thick of it with their heads <laughs> chopped off, and there was no. But um, I did watch the twenty, the news twenty four um, press conference. Oh, because they, they're saying that ABC News 24 did not. They're saying no free-to-air networks did. Bull. Well, they did it on delay. They did it on ah. a 10-minute delay. And what happened was <laughs> the Just, tape and broke down also, and it, it went really fast. Also, ABC News 24 uh, wouldn't have to break the programming uh, because their programming is the news. Oh, that's, 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 that's a fair point. Yeah. I, I was having dinner at Pellegrini's at the time, so I've got no excuse for not just walking one <laughs> block over to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to Spring Street. But really tasty cannelloni. So, <laughs> oh, my God. I just realised I was at the Metro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, now the Palace. Yes, the, the Palace Theatre. That's, that's hilarious. So we were all in the area. And yeah. just gave a shit. And I think that says a lot to Herald Sun about how, yes, TV news in Australia is a, a little bit Sydney-centric, but also no one thought this was unexpected. Everyone was a bit excited about it, but there were no more details to be had. Ding. The Screen Producers Association of Australia has a, a new executive uh, whose name is some, someone Dina, who I think is one of the Wayne brothers. Uh, no, Funky Cold. Oh, <laughs> Funky Cold Mc... <laughs> Correct. Funky Cold McDina. Uh, said uh, in in a, a speech to Canadian uh, screen sector that uh, the absence of any terms of trade between commercial free to air subscription TV channels and the production industry has resulted in the percentage of investment by broadcasters in TV budgets remaining static. This is uh, from an article by Michael Bodie in uh, in the Australian. This is uh, this is a problem, and and basically he's saying he she I don't know. Actually, uh, they don't. Do, uh, I'm completely missing the uh, the person's first name. Anyway, the new executive director, executive someone director. Oh no, it's a he. It's a he. They use a pronoun later on. That helps. Uh, so he's saying to uh, to the ACMA and also uh, to Screen Australia that uh, there needs to be a lot more active uh, direction to the TV networks to make them engage more with uh, Australian production. That's what uh, the SPAA think, also known as SPA, and Graham Samuels, uh, former uh, former head of... Graham Samuel. Graham Sa- is Samuel? Samuel. So uh, Gra- Graham Samuel, former uh, ACCC yep. head, uh, said that uh, Cotton Eyes' uh, latest... Uh, attempt at making Australian TV networks more relevant uh, to have a public interest test was a bad idea. Well, the networks are just waiting for John Sylvester to write another underbelly before they can make any more Australian production. Well, here's the problem. John Sylvester is currently uh, following uh, the bikey wars that are about to happen in Victoria and New South Wales, and Channel 10's already done a bikey wars, so Channel 9 can't. Yeah, well, they can do another. Actually, what one network copy, what another network's done. Hey, look, this is we're going to talk about um, advertising a bit later on. But you know, a wise man in advertising once told me um, when I he said, "Sure, it's been done before, but has it been done again?" <laughs> <laughs> look, and I think that's 
I think that's a, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Has has it been done until people just yell, and then are they yelling the right things? Because if you do advertising properly, you can get them at yelling the right things, correct, and that's correct. that's that's how you know you've you've done it well. Look, there there is an issue that I have with Conroy's public interest test. Mostly, I think it's because it's irrelevant. And hopefully we'll be able to talk to Con about this later on in the show. But we've been talking for the last few weeks about how Australian TV, the networks, they are just falling over in a heap. Channel 10 is running around, like the whole network, running around going, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Ah, I've run into a pole. Uh, They have no clues at all what's happening. And that's because they realize that they are irrelevant. Now, I realised this week that while Conroy has been uh, spending all of this time giving the networks enough rope to hang themselves with by saying, yes, we'll do that crazy thing that you want. Sure, we'll introduce that legislation that you want and just letting them basically run themselves into the ground. He's also been working to build the NBN, which is going to be the most important content delivery system this country has. The NBN, for those who don't know, is the National Broadband Network, and it is going to be fibre to the home, excellent, fast upload and download speeds uh, of uh, of basically anything that you can think of. As long as they can finish it before September 14. Well... Oh, yeah, because that's when the election We'll is. have cabinets uh, to the neighbourhood. The, and, uh, and, and so the... By... by Rolling out the NBN and being so adamant about the NBN, I think actually what he's doing is, is realising that Australia's short-form short video entertainment future is not through free-to-air broadcasting. It is through the internet. Well, NBN or not NBN, things are going to change. Things are changing right now. So for all of my previous... Criticism of Conroy, if this is his plan all along, I think he's doing great work. I actually think if he's, if he's just going, all right, well, the networks are just going to whinge and moan and whinge and moan, and if I can have them shut up while I roll out this essentially alternative, this competition to them, then, uh, then nobody's going to be any the But Josh, there's basically no investment in production for online delivery in this country of local content currently but there's also no nbn to most of australia as well i but think also i think th- i think that will come i think that will come when uh when the talent goes there as well i think the talent is going to start going there because out of desperation they're, they're going risky to have move to. for the industry <sighs> the industry is based on risky moves glenn you were going to say? Um, there is something else about the NBN is that one of the plugs will be television. So the free-to-air networks will eventually broadcast through the NBN anyway, through the internet. Right. We, always, we always forget about that, but that is, that is the intention as well. But, but it's also going it's, to... It's an opportunity for them to just be forgotten. Correct. I think uh, I, I'm actually I'm feeling a lot better about it. I, I, I know I sounded dismissive there, Brett, when I said that, that television production is, is a risky process, but... Mm. Uh, it good television production is that good television production should be a risky process, and we're going to talk about this a, a bit more when we cover House of Cards later on in the in the episode. But I think uh, I think risk taking does does make for great television. What whatever you want to call this short form video that we've been watching for the last fifty years, I call it television because it's it's shorthand, but. Any of that. Taking risks makes it better. That's that's what I've always believed. And I think moving to a whole new medium is a risk that the industry needs to take. Mm. And they will. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, hunky, sparkly, shiny, wonderful <laughs> men. This is... Abby Kadabby and Elmo, and you're listening to Box Cutters. One more time with that. No, no, no. Okay. This is Elmo and Abby Kadabby, and you're listening to Box Cutters. Con Francescos was the 
Asia Head of Digital Advertising for Ogilvy, who are one of the world's largest advertising agencies. Now he's gone out on his own. He's in the studio to pitch us for some advertising, I, yes. I, I think. Is that, that was exactly it, yes. He's left Ogilvy and now he needs, he needs a job. Uh, Glenn, you've, uh, you, you've brought... Uh, come to the studio in, in more ways than, than one. He, uh, you've, you've known him for, for a long time. You, you yourself work, work in advertising. Correct. And what I've been doing is every now and then I, I'll just do a throwaway comment and say, oh, yeah, I write ads, this, blah, blah, blah. And often we'll talk about advertising on this show, but we don't really, we've never actually spoken to someone in advertising. Con, advertising, is it going to save television? Josh, <laughs> good question. Uh, yes, I think it always will. Television's, um, uh, I think, you know, earlier we were talking about radio, we were talking about television, all the different media. The, the reality is that the more that television stations treat themselves as these owners of these licenses, that means they broadcast uh, a TV uh, signal and they're completely defined by this TV signal, uh, the more trouble they're going to get in. So you're going to have these Channel 10-esque debacles or these uh, Channel 9-esque issues. The, the point is... It really doesn't matter uh, how they're going to be broadcasting if they look at themselves as really um, wonderful storytellers uh, and people that can actually um, get as much reach as possible because that's really what it's all about. How do you get that message to the to, to the people who run the networks? How do you get that message to Lachlan Murdoch who thinks that television a television network is just a money-making device and if it's not working properly, you just have to hit it on the side as as much as possible and if it's still not making money you've got to hit it harder yeah well i mean it is a money-making device but the thing is it's how they're making the money that's the issue it's not making money that's why it's broken if it were making money it'd be i think i don't think we'd be having this conversation i think the, the problem is that um it's not getting ratings it's, it's not the money that's the issue it's the ratings and if you can get as many punters watching your content as possible uh then you're going to get advertisers willing to uh to sponsor those shows and to support those shows and that's the problem with channel 10 in a nutshell no one's watching it or at least the people that are um uh, are turning it off 15 minutes later so if this is if box cutters had a million dollars hmm. to get a couple of hundred more listeners. Yes. What would we do? Would we buy TV ads or would we do something else? Uh, that's a very good question, Glenn. I, I, I could give you two answers. One's the smart-ass answer, and, and that is that between the 8th and the 16th of, uh, of March, as you know, as you very well know, South by Southwest is on. It's a little experiment that I myself ran on, on Friday, and that was uh, I, you know, Googled, SXSW to see what came up and um, and and weirdly enough there were no ads at all on any of the Google responses so what I thought is yeah I've started a new agency Penso uh, um, not the oil company um, but uh, Latin for um, I think anyway doesn't matter the point is that I thought oh let's see let's see uh, whether I can just get myself some cheap promotion by buying some Google AdWords uh, and I targeted it to people in Austin on their PCs and on their mobiles. So they're walking around the streets of Austin. And um, and in the 24 hours after I bought the Google AdWord, it cost me $3.86, and I had 6,500 clicks through to my website. Wow. Uh, it's the only ad that appears. Uh, sorry, I tell a lie. Uh, there was an ad for Apple that came under the, <laughs> the ad that I put up. So I was pretty proud of myself. I did a screen grab of that one. The point being that, it's all about getting reach. So the way advertising works is is that you try and get as many people as possible to be aware of what you are doing. So there's this horrible, horrible trend in advertising at the moment. And actually, as a matter of fact, in all sort of storytelling, and that's about engagement. So you hear about engagement and, you know, social media is driving this passionate engagement of passionate fans that will tell your story. Fundamentally, that, that sort of doesn't really work because – um, you know, as as much as it, it makes sense, um, you can't watch the same TV show three times over. I mean, you can, but what I'm saying is, it, it, you know, it's not going to help your ratings. Um, there's one person watching the TV show. Um, there is one person washing their hair, and it doesn't matter how passionate they are for, about that that shampoo brand. They're not going to wash their hair more, and and it doesn't matter what the product is. 
you know, you're only going to buy one Apple computer every couple of years as much as you love Apple. Apple's never going to make money by saying, all right, Josh, we're going to sell you five of these iPods because, you know, they're awesome, even though you might want to buy five. You're only going to buy one. And the problem is that advertisers and, in fact, a lot of people in that what I would call a sort of creative uh, capitalist uh, um, uh, industries have been sucked into this idea that you know loyalty is the key and getting more passionate fans is the key rather than reach rather than getting more punters so to give you another example one of my previous clients was coke mm-hmm. and coke has a very very simple philosophy and that is that the average person in the world drinks i don't know let's say it's approximately two cans of coke a year now there are some people that drink a can of coke breakfast morning noon night you name it, Probably. and there are others that would not drink a can of Coke at all. But but on average, there's 12 billion cans of Coke, that they're, or, or maybe 14 now. Right. I haven't done a, a census in a yeah. long time. The thing is, um, you're not going to make more money by getting the people like Brett Cropley that might drink six cans of Coke to drink eight, or even to drink nine, which means a 50% increase of their most passionate fans, because it might only be about... 5,000 people like Brett in the world. Oh, they're less, fewer than that. It's almost no one like Brett. Exactly, exactly. So the point is you want the punters that wake up in the morning and think there's a 1 in 180 chance they're going to drink a can of Coke that day. You're going to say, well, let's try and make that once in 90 days that they drink a can of Coke. And that's where the TV industry, that's where most of these, these, these industries that are selling something, whether you're selling content or whether you're selling Coke, you want as many people as possible to understand what you're selling. The point is, that's where I think TV's gone a bit wrong in many instances, is that, especially Channel 10, they haven't looked at the broadest possible market and the, and the, and the, and the widest reach of their stories. So when, when Channel 10 uh, had their, uh, their idea of, and this is before Lachlan Murdoch, uh, Karen Borden started hitting it uh, harder to, to make more money come out, uh, when they had the idea of one HD being the sports channel and eleven being the uh, entertainment, the the drama and comedy channel, and ten being the uh, news and uh, light and live entertainment channel, that to me seems like a, a great way to try to get more eyeballs into into one one siphon. Uh, yeah, why? Why do you think that didn't work for them? I think there's two parts of it. One of them is saying, well, you've got the right approach and strategy, and that is get as many punters as possible to listen or watch watch your programming. And the second thing is saying, well, what's the quality of the content? So Bill Burnback, who started the agency DDB, uh, said good advertising makes bad products fail faster. And I think that Channel 10 might have had this wonderful strategy of really good advertising, advertising really shit programming. Right. So, so it, it doesn't matter how, how good the strategy is if you don't have the things that people want to watch. And if, if you only have the worst of the baseball games, people are still going to go over to Foxtel to watch the better baseball games. That's right. That's right. So it's about quality. And, and fundamentally, unless you've got that quality, then you can, you can throw as much money and try and convince as many people as possible. And, that, and that's the funny thing about advertising. People sort of have this assumption, uh, you know, they're only successful because they've been really well advertised. But, uh, yeah, no, because, you know, um, you've had a lot of products that we would all, you know, as, at least as long as your arm of really crap products that just you can, you can throw as much money as you like trying to promote them and talk about them. But if they're bad products, they just won't work. So there's there's two uh, advertisers in Australia that I'm really thinking about now. One would be Coles and the other would be Bunnings, but mm-hmm. Coles actually have ideas. Why do Coles like, advertise so much on free-to-wear TV at 8.30 at night? Is it because it works? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, fundamentally, if you uh, get... Uh, a couple of ads on TV at night, you will get a couple of million Aussies in one go with a 30-second piece of content. And and especially Coles, uh, you mention them probably because they're memorable and that's really all that advertising does is, you know, do people notice it and do they remember it? And, and, and the best advertising is noticeable and memorable. So Coles actually has a really deliberate strategy of building what are called distinctive brand assets, and that is things like that big red hand, um, the jingles, ta-da, um, you know, use of Curtis Stone. 
feed your family. They've got a lot of these distinctive brand assets um, in the same way that, and it's actually the same agency that does things like the Jetstar Jump or the Toyota Oh What a Feeling or the Intel. All of those things are what's called distinctive brand assets. And most bad marketers ignore those and try and do some sort of creative fluff that no one, you wouldn't even be talking about it. No one would remember it. It's just another thing that you just go off and not notice it. If it's noticeable and it's memorable, it sticks in your brain. And fortunately or unfortunately, that's what works. The annoying stuff really, really works. And the reason it's annoying is because we didn't choose for it to be there, but we remember it. And at that point of purchase, you go, oh, yeah, I do remember that thing. I'll buy that. And and would it be because uh, Coles are doing that? Look, I, I have to admit that Con and I have both worked on the Coles account. In yes, our, in full our past. disclosure. Full disclosure. Um, I, I have shopped at Coles, <laughs> but I, I, I'll I'll say like it's it's not um, it's not entertaining advertising or anything like that. But it works so bloody well. Now the thing is that Coles could be one of the only brands out there using television effectively. This is my my little argument. Mm. So could other advertisers could, you know, probably take a leaf off their off Cole's book, join in on the fun, get a really good shitty daggy campaign together and but, work it out and save TV. I think I think Coles uses television in in the same way that uh, Coke uses uh, bus shelters and billboards really well. I mean, Coke really yeah. owns that medium. Coles owns television. Uh, and without television, Coles is going to basically lose their brand recognition. Well, you're right. And television's one of the easiest ways to get that. But I mean, there are other ways, of course, but, but you're right. It, Coles are fantastic at doing TV. They're also fantastic doing things like search. Um, you know, there are other media that they could be using, but TVs, TVs are in a really engaging and exciting way to do it because you've got vision, you've got audio, you've got, you know, movement and action and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, remember in the old days when banner ads first became really rich and you'd get banner ads that played noise, Mm. you know, most people would, it would have been the only time that you'd get people putting their fists through their own monitor would have been a banner ad that had noise. Um, they've basically disappeared now. Um, so so TV is one of the only ways that you're going to get this sort of permission to have audio and vision and everything right in front of you at that time. Um, whereas there are a lot of limitations with other with other media. You know, radio, there are no images. I mean, there's, there's, there's an issue with print clearly and print static. So TV is actually really quite powerful in that not only is it a storytelling device, but because it's such a powerful means for telling stories and we sort of love it and we talk about it so much therefore it's actually really fantastic place because there are literally so many people on it to therefore advertise so it's sort of this reinforcing thing so i mean i I personally sort of look at it and go well you know if i had a monopoly which is what the tv uh, networks have to tell these amazing stories, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked at, at how bad the quality of programming is. I just think it's purely a programming issue. I mean, maybe you have an overly simplistic view. Do you think advertisers or uh, there's, there's these things called media agencies who will buy the advertising on behalf of the advertisers? And that's people like Harold Mitchell. Yes. Do, yeah. yeah. Some people yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, now, this is only speculation because no one in this room ha- has this ability to know this, but... Would they put pressure on someone like Channel Ten to, you know, hey Lachlan, could you just fix it because we're we're advertising? Well, I think they fix it. Um, they fix it every day, and it's that sort of whole idea of you know uh, what capitalism does is it means that every time you spend a dollar, that's a that's a way of voting. So you know they're just spending more dollars in other media. So I think Lachlan Murdoch's getting there. Hey mate, fix it loud and clear when they're just choosing not to spend money with him. Uh, I wanted to go on to uh, digital media, and because you you were head of digital for for Ogilvy in Asia, and uh, the networks have been trying to build their own social media networks, which uh, makes me cringe. Oh, just saying it made you cringe. They're grim. Sorry, just in past episodes when you've talked about it, I've just. I've laughed and shook my head, not at your coverage, but just the, <laughs> just the idea that they're doing it. It's gruesome. 
why why would they do that rather than try to capture the uh, the the natural flow of of that information. Why not try to uh, be a better force on Twitter and engage people on Twitter and on Facebook where people already are going, rather than force them into their own channel. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, but I think part of the issue is is something you raised. I don't know. It was a couple of months ago on one of the shows that was talking about um, you know the second screen and, and something that I've been really sort of keen to look at is the idea of the second screen and I, I don't see anyone doing the second screen well and I have a very very simple solution for second screen and that is use the second screen as a means to enhance in other words I'm watching uh, actually look I don't watch cricket I don't like cricket mm-hmm. but what I will say is this back the, to Asia with you the way had done the one time I did go to the cricket I was like this is like meaning in real life i was like this is totally unsatisfying because i'm used to this like wheel and all these stats and mm-hmm. all this sort of business and then i went back and on the odd occasion that i watch it on tv you realize that it was all of those statistics and all that stuff that really brings that sport to life in other words the tv experience is significantly better than the real life experience because of the addition of all of that sort of stuff now if you can then say well we're going to we're going to be able to customize that so in other words i like these particular stats or i want that particular type of commentary for the footy like why is it that when we're watching footy in australia we have one set of commentary when we could have had we could have one commentary based on either team or whatever it might be yep the point being the ideal use of second screen to me is the ability to customize the content, not to take away from it by having a separate conversation or let's have a network or let's have a separate sort of, you know, um, I can't remember what the networks are called because they're so bad, the apps, but, you know, those, those sort of things that, that mean that I'm actually... Zoombox Zoom is one of them, isn't it? Yeah, Zbox Zoom, Z Z or Mango. And J-Boo-Boo or something. And, and terrible. Know, terrible. The, I, I like the one dildo that's, that works really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whose is that, Glenn? Um, I, I think it's SBS's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's only the one that is engaged after 11 p.m.? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the Champions League. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sex before soccer. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, the point being that, like, instead of converse, having conversations about, 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 you know, TV shows, which is, again, this, this issue you raised a couple of months ago, um, you know, it's like having some annoying people sitting on the couch next to you when you just want to watch telly. You know, that's not why I want to watch TV. Don't give me better engagement. And I'm doing that radio thing of quote, unquote, like, you know, um, don't give me more engagement in terms of like a conversation with other random punters that I don't like. Give me the ability to have a better version of that show. Um, you know, give me the ability to, to, to have like better stats if it's sport or or if it is something like Idol, like I can vote on it. Or if it is the news, I want to be able to go, oh, that's really interesting that there was that cat up a tree. You know, I want to be able to sort of zoom in and have something on a map showing me where that was. So that to me, that's the ideal use of second screen. And that is 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 not engagement, but actually a, a better product rather and, than distraction. And and what you've described there is kind of the, the 21st century version of pop up MTV. Uh where where they used to just show music videos and have little bits of trivia pop yeah. up, trying to enhance your your enjoyment of a music video that you had already seen fifty times that day. Um, ABC have just launched a very something that does all this. Now I, don't, I haven't seen it work because I think Mark Scott sort of tweeted it only a couple of days ago. But what I found was interesting. So you'll have a TV show. You'll be watching Spooks. Mm-hmm. And it'll talk, it'll do a synopsis of the characters, and you'll click onto the IMDb pages. But the the good thing about the app is it's got a tw- Twitter button, so it's just got the hashtags and all that sort of thing. So they're not creating a new thing like Fango, um, Django. I think Django, Django, Django Unchained. Django. Yes, correct. <laughs> so they've unchained Django, so you can do whatever you like on it. Because what I find is when Channel 7 or Channel 9 or whoever, they're talking about their Twitter um, or their their Fango or something, the only way you can engage with the commentators, and they're saying, come on, talk to us, talk to BT, talk to Bruce McAvaney, talk to the the cricket guys, is go through our app and you can talk to us and we'll Mm. mention you. But what happens is inadvertently they just show tweets on the screen of celebrities 
and yep. and Channel Seven celebrities. Well, there, there was a, there was a TV show I was involved in, Glenn, and and, and you know the show, but um, it's it's Hey Hey it's Saturday. And I was I was actually involved in in doing the sort of social media consultancy on that show for its return, and um, which which was huge. I mean, it's very successful. It's it's what brought the show back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it was it was it was a lot of fun, and and part of it was actually saying, well, let's not try and have you know all these conversations. Like, fine, if people want to go on Facebook and talk, like. Good luck to them. If they want to be on Twitter, good luck to them. Uh, but it was about saying things like, you know, um, uh, funny photos. Instead of saying, we'll mail them into P.O. Box, blah, 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 Richmond 3121, it was about saying, right, well, over the next, you know, 20 minutes, if you email us or tweet your funny photo, we'll put that on air. So it wasn't, again, it wasn't about sort of saying, or oh, let's try and get some sort of weird conversation happening or further engagement it was simply a mechanic that had always been in existence and just saying well digital is actually going to make that easier so let's use that and in, and in other ways if people had funny comments or responses then you know lavinia nixon would have mentioned them on air but again less about actually making the show sort of different and distracting people from the actual tv and more about just saying, well, we're going to try and enhance it in some way. And I think that, that that's really one of the saddest parts about what the networks are doing, again, is that they're, they're, missing, they're missing the point of what TV is, is this wonderful medium for, you know, stereo, stereo, stereo storytelling. Um, they're, they're, they're avoiding or they're distracting people from that, from that fantastic TV. And they're sort of going, well, that's not enough because our ratings are going down. So maybe if we get that one person far more engaged, they'll buy more of advertisers' stuff. And I'm just going, no, it's just totally wrong. And, and there's an opportunity, I'm guessing, for those, those apps that you're, that you're describing that people, people could, networks could create to give you uh, better cricket statistics or uh, instant backstory uh, on, on drama characters so someone coming into a show late can know what's going on. Yeah, spot uh, on. Th- things like that. You can have much more targeted advertising as well, so the advertisers get a lot more out of uh, out of that use of the second channel or the, the second screen than uh, being uh, being distracted from the first screen. Oh. Yeah, or, or using using TV as the window. You know, if we're talking about sort of this idea of showrooming and window shopping, in other words, what that means is um, I might go into Maya, but I won't buy from there. I'll just use that as the showroom. It's the same with TV. So you might actually say, well, TV becomes an elaborate ad for the rest of the show's content. So the ad, the show itself showing at, you know, 8.30 at this particular appointment time um, broadcast to a lot of people. And you go, oh, that's awesome. And they might say, well, if you want free episodes, all the free episodes we're going to have available to you at any time you like. But you're just going to have some big ad for, you know, Coles or something over the top. You know, the idea of using TV as this, really fantastic broadcast medium like you know again there are so many assets that tv has um that i just don't know whether they're necessarily being utilized now this is a a question we ask a lot of people on box cutters but i think it's interesting to ask it of somebody in advertising is how do you watch your tv Uh, i download a hell of a lot so i I download a a huge amount but what what i tend to do is um just that typical sort of media binge so I'll, i'll sort of listen to a few different people's opinions on various different shows. Um, I'll try and catch one or two episodes if I can uh, and then just, just do a big media binge and download a whole heap of episodes and watch them. But I tend to watch a lot of live TV because I think that's, that's part of the future of TV is just live. Live is wonderful. I love live. I love the unexpected. Con, thank you so much for joining us on, on Box Cutters. You're hired. By the way, uh, we'll we'll take on we'll, we'll take on Penso yep. as uh, as our advertising and good. Uh, controllers, and we don't ha- need to spend our million bucks anymore. We can put that on on a money market and just spend three hundred eighty seven bucks on centered advertising. Oh, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to to that because that I had that million bucks earmarked. I was going to get a couple of horses, race them. <laughs> yeah. Con Francescos, where can people find Penso? Pensoagency.com or on all social networks forward slash Pensoagency. Excellent. I will, uh, I'll, I'll put a link to the website on the Boxcutters blog. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, guys. Looking to cut boxes? Well, you've come to the right place because you're on the Boxcutters. You've podcasted and you're boxing the cut. You're cutting the box with the Boxcutters. Ooh, yaka, 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 yaka.
Peter Rosedon, Buck's Cutting Friend. House of Cards is a US remake of a British show that was based on a novel or series of novels about a, a politician who uh, basically, look, are you familiar with Machiavelli? <laughs> Uh, and the Four Seasons? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that Tism album uh, was made into... No, wait. I'm getting confused now. So it, it, is, it is about uh, a politician who is uh, the, the chief whip and uh, he wants to be king, basically. And he, he, wants, he wants to be the boss and is climbing the ladder body by body. That's that. That was the the UK version of of House of Cards. Basically, the stop at nothing to uh, to get ahead in this game, and it is exactly the same in the US version. The major difference being that the US version was made entirely for Netflix, released as a whole on one particular day uh, that people could uh, download and watch. At their leisure, it stars Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. It was directed by David Fincher, uh, written by I've lost that bit of information. But the the keys they they've thrown big names at this project to make it work. It's co-written by Michael Dobbs, who wrote the novels of the of the original. Right. So so it's, it's someone who knows a lot about the subject. Uh, and they've pretty much hit the nail on the head. They've they've got the show that they want, which is a, a very watchable, very enjoyable show about uh, making your own way and uh, and being in charge of your own destiny, which I, I think goes along with Netflix's own attitude to to the industry as well. Uh, so so I find that very interesting in itself. So it's a metaphor for Netflix. I think so. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it is. I, th- I think it works that way. Glenn, you you love this show. I, I really love this show. Um, I've always liked Kevin Spacey uh, from one of my favourite films of, is Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, mm-hmm. which is a David Mamet uh, play adapted for film and changed around a bit. Um, and... Kevin Spacey's just a really strong character in this film. So it, I've been in for Kevin Spacey for a long time. And mm. this is the role after Glengarry where Kevin Spacey just rules. Because he's, he's commanding. He commands the screen. Every scene that he is in, the focus is, is on him. Uh, he's a, a, a lot like uh, Malcolm Tucker in, in the thick of it, where you're just waiting for him to say something. What is the next thing that is going to come out of his mouth? Because it is either going to be cutting or insightful, but there's always going to be some strategy behind it. There's there's some wonderful quotes. Uh, so what, what Kevin Spacey will do as Frank Underwood, what Frank Underwood will do is he'll turn to the side of the camera and speak to you in soliloquy. Um, now, this happened in the English original, mm-hmm. um, and Kevin does it again. Now, you could say, oh, that's a really new way of telling a story. Oh, that's a really new device. No, it's been happening for pff, roughly 500 years. So, he does this I believe really well. uh, Shakespeare used to do it. Yeah, a, he used a, a to little do bit. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was all the rage back there. And remember, Kevin Spacey, for the last few years, has been... Uh, running a theatre, the Royal Vic, the Vic. Or whatever, the yeah. Vic. Um, but he will. The show will pause. He will turn to you and he'll talk about his wife. He'll say, "I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood." Things like that, or he will speak about a PR guy and he'll say, "Such a waste of talent. He chose money over power. In this town, a mistake nearly everyone makes. Money is the McMansion in Sarasota that starts falling apart after 10 years. Power is the old stone building that stands for centuries. I cannot respect someone who doesn't see the difference." There are some beautiful lines, beautiful insights peppered throughout this show. Um, that's why I like it. It understands power. And it's also about him and Robin Wright, his, his wife. They are the power couple. 
Now, a lot of people have been talking about that um, because no one has an imagination, so they'll say, oh, that is Lady Macbeth, and they work together. Well, no, look, it could, it, it's so much more than that. It's just because people studied Macbeth in year 11. That's the only likeness they can make. But also that's quite wrong because she's not dictating what he's doing. He's no. He's driving she, his actions. Yeah, well, and they're in a... Mar- their morals are all over the shop. They're both at different points of where they're making that, you know, the devil's crossroads sort of. And 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 Claire Underwood is is trying to do her is trying to forge her own journey, not really worrying about her husband's journey at all. That's right. Um, I also like this is because um, I recently saw the Paperboy, and the Paperboy is a te- is a film. <laughs> Everyone must see the paper boy. No, no, I, th- I think I think you're, you're misdirecting people here because it's it, it, it's terrible. You you hate okay. it. Okay, I hate it. That's- but the thing about this this film is it's narrated by Macy Gray, who is um, the, the, she, the music artist from the '90s. Correct, the music artist from the '90s will narrate this show, and she starts off as a bit of a crack lady, and then midway through, she becomes really intelligent. Now. What I like about this show House, is... House of Cards you're talking about now? or now, the House of Cards. Okay, is what you like about House of Cards. It plays with you with the narrator. So, Kevin Spacey is the narrator, and he is an unreliable narrator. Yes. Now, that is something that television does not do, film rarely does, every third novel will do, because they're used to it. This is why I love the show. The the idea of an un, unreliable narrator, to to give an example, is, is someone like uh, Kevin Spacey in uh, in in uh, the uh, usual the Usual Suspects, suspects where you, you discover at the end, spoiler, but if you haven't seen it, come on, it was like nineteen ninety four. Uh, I think I got that wrong, but whatever. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it it turns out that uh, the entire film has been a lie and you realise how unreliable he has been as a narrator the whole time. That is, that is really important to, uh, to, to build a sense of distrust in the audience so late in the piece that uh, they end up thinking about the film all the way home. In House of Cards, he's an unreliable narrator, but you know really quickly that he cannot be trusted. But at the same time, he is such an asshole that he will look at the camera and give a, a look that basically says, watch this move as he goes and fucks someone over. And he'll do it so beautifully. Um, I, I was typing stuff about this show today and I called it high camp deadpanning. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which is, you know, that, that is, that is uh, in Kevin Spacey's wheelhouse. Now, also, what I like about this film is uh, David Fincher is the director of it. Now, I'm not a massive fan of the David Fincher film, but like, I, I gather he's some sort of nihilist. Yeah, is he? Oh, he's uh, not not really uh, not really a, a nihilist. Uh, more a misanthrope. Okay, um, so he's the perfect guy to direct the first. They never direct the whole series, but he's the perfect guy to direct the first six episodes. Yes. Yes, uh, you, you really need you really need someone who hates the way people interact. And see, I, I think looking at David, David Fincher's uh, record, and I, I haven't seen all of his films, but I've seen a lot of his films. Uh, it, it it's like he sets up uh, an ant farm and then watches the ants uh, just crawl over each other to get from one place to another. Also, another thing that I like about the film is that. The film. See, I'm calling it a film. It's that good, people. Um, is that there is a news story. Now, the trend is apparently newspapers are dying. Whoa! They're dying. Every show that's trying to think is telling you that newspapers are dying. And that does this as a plot, which kind of doesn't work because it's so boring. But the way that... Frank Underwood will feed journalists stories is just so beautifully done. So he will feed just a little skerrick and then you'll do a mon- then we cut to montage where you see the story develop like Chinese whispers and you know that Frank's there in the background. He did that. He made that story. Um, 
that is so beautifully done. It's smarter than anything that's ever happened on Newsroom. Just a, a three-minute montage of that sort of thing. He will do that so well. So I really enjoyed that. Britt, Brit, have you uh, have you been enjoying House of Cards? Have you seen the whole I've, thing? I've watched or? the entire series. Um, there are a couple of episodes where it kind of slowed down, uh, but there's there's great contrast amongst the episodes, and it, it's just so left hanging at the end. Uh, that the the audacity of how they left it hanging was was quite remarkable. I I've, I've only seen three, and I'm enjoying it, but. I think my I think my television tastes have changed a lot recently and it feels really artificial feels really calculated to me it it feels like there is no difference between the uh, the medium and the message here where Netflix has done this really calculated move to get people to talk about their TV show and to build uh, an audience and to build reputation and to get ahead in the game. And the show that they have is, is basically showing their hand and say, this is exactly what we're doing to you. This show and what you're watching here is exactly what we're doing to you. So the whole time, they're kind of calling the audience stupid. Well, that's funny you should say that because one of the themes in this show, and that will kick in midway through, is that Frank will use a different tactic for a different type of person to convince them. Mm -hmm. So, um, the show might win over the web audience because it was all released 17... I think it was two lots of nine and a half, and that could convince us that it's a great idea because we're, you know, the, the web audience and we're into the new ways of delivering television. But... On the next level, it's a show that will appeal in different ways. So, yes, we are being manipulated, but look, it's a deeper show than that. I, I, I I'm looking, I'm looking for depth, and it's it's a very enjoyable show to watch, and it is it is very charismatic, and he is a very charismatic character, and Robin Wright, despite her plastic surgery, is still very beautiful to watch, and a great actor, and a, a pleasure to see on on screen, and everything in this show is a pleasure to look at, uh, and, and I'm looking for for depth. You know, I, I like things like the upside down American flag in the uh, in the title card because it means America is in distress, and this is something that we've been speaking about for for a while, based on British analysis, uh, post empire f- philosophy, and uh, and this whole thing I like, and I'm looking for that for that depth, but. All I'm getting at the moment is knowing winks, and make. I, I mean, I, I do intend to watch the rest of it, but it's it's not first up on my on my viewing list. So that's House of Cards. You can find it uh, if you have access to uh, Netflix, which uh, you, yeah, sorry. And one more thing, no more. I've been saying this on Twitter a bit. No more Alcoholics Anonymous subplots. <laughs> This is why I can't watch Elementary. I, I think that it's it's lazy screenwriting that that particularly comes out of America. Drug treatment has changed since 1983. You can, um, you know, some doctors aren't even using the word alcoholic anymore. Things change. So stop it, America. You are killing um, intelligent s- storytelling and the way we treat people who are sick. There are other ways around drug dependence, um, not a tired trope of the AA meeting, enough of it. It's really shitty mid to tears. Happened on girls. Come on. It was just, there was no need for that. those scenes. And that's House of Cards. You can find it if you have access to Netflix or I'm sure you can find a torrent of it somewhere if you look hard enough or maybe not even hard at all. If you watch one. Glenn Peters, if you were going to watch one thing on television this week, what would it be? I would get somebody's grandmother who lives in England to tape me on a VHS tape, uh, the new series of Spiral, which is up to episode 10. 
in England right Season now. Season four of Spiral. Correct. So I would do that. Okay, that's nice. And then mail it to you. And mail it to me. Overnight. Overnight. What are you going to hear this week? Uh, look, my friend's grandmother isn't very good with with posting. It just depends on whether she needs to buy tripe and the <laughs> the butcher is near the post office. So right. It depends when the tripe is needed. Mm-hmm. It's the worst episode of the bill ever. Brett. Uh, this American Life is on ABC Two on Sunday night at nine thirty. The old, the the old. They did two series of it, just half hour versions of the uh, of the radio show. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, great! I just came across it uh, when I was looking for something for this week. I am going to watch anything on iView uh, because I uh, am fed up with uh, with free to air television. Uh, and At least ABC stays with their schedule. So, well, yeah, but I just I, I really like the idea of watching things that are, uh, are put on by Australian television in the comfort of my own iPad. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to be just watching a whole bunch of iView stuff in all of my spare time. That Josh Thomas show is quite good. Watch that. Brenda Connie Glazebrook. Josh Canal. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to the microphone. Oh, You're here you. to uh, to tell us all about extra stuff on the on the show, on the show. I, I know. We've had quite the riveting show tonight. A little expose into the world of advertising. Um so I went on a bit of a foray myself looking for some terrible ads that have been released to the public. Uh they're not all on television. The last one is is uh is actually you can access it on YouTube. I haven't seen it. I've just read about it. And I, boy, howdy, am I excited to see it all happening in front of my eye. I've just got three uh, advertising. We've got two slogans here. One is for Reebok, which I am ashamed to have purchased now because they had um, a campaign where the slogan was, cheat on your girlfriend, not on your workout. Whoa. <sighs> that makes wow. me hurt in the heart. That makes run like you stole something seem okay yeah Yeah. how does that get through the final cut you know someone goes that's a brilliant idea where do i sign really in this day and age i will say that reebok on was fairly current this i found an old 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 ad for tipolet cigarettes which i'd never heard of before um and um i suppose at the time they would have thought it was very sort of whimsical but um there's a there's a picture it's a painting of a man um blowing the Tipolette cigarette smoke into his woman's face. And then the slogan says, blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. Wow. Wow. So that's uh... advertising at its best. So the women aren't really getting a good representation in advertising. This is the YouTube ad that I found. We'll have to put up um, a link. I'd really like to see it too. It's for a, it's for Doc Bottoms Aspray. So it's a spray for your donkey. It's a body spray, essentially. You can go anywhere on your body, but it's called an ass spray. And um, there was a description because I didn't want to turn the ad on because I didn't want to have mysterious sounds in the back of your serious interview. But apparently, they say there is a section of the ad where a woman crosses her legs and then sprays her odor zone. <laughs> Where's the odor zone? <laughs> uh, on the left side of the couch. <laughs> But then we have pearlers like Franco Cozzo and they make up for everything. Yeah, Every advertising floor can be Franco made up. I, yeah. I, think, I think Franco Cozzo was probably one of the best advertising campaigns in Victoria in, in the 80s. I oh, just think brilliant. it's extraordinary. If it's furniture you want to buy, Franco Cozzo is not far away. Hang, hang on, hang on. Con's, con's saying that Franco Cozzo ads are still on. Oh, yeah. to, to, oh they're just, still yeah. on. Still on, yeah. yeah. Just, just superb. The If you can get... Kids in a playground to recite your ads. Grand you sale, grand sale, grand sale. <laughs> Where is not the far away? It's it's just it's just superb. Yeah. So where there is advertising evil, there is also advertising good. So that is the lesson: the yin and the yang of advertising. There's a good line um, on the radio at the moment for uh, Dickery Dock, which is a, a a bra brand that's made in Camberwell, and the jingle goes. Dickery duck, you're looking good on top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's a that's a Kanye West rhyme. It's beautiful. Someone wrote that down and then took the rest of the day off because they were so proud of themselves. High five. Yeah, <laughs> up top. Um, Josh, you were wanting to find out the House of Cards writers. Yes, yes, please. Yeah, there's a selection of writers. Um, three in particular: Kate Barno, she was a writer for True Blood. Mm-hmm. There's Andrew Davies, uh, who I think Glenn mentioned before. He was a writer for Bleak House. 
Bridget Jones, the tailor of Panama, as well. And Bo Willimon, who was the producer from The Eyes of March. He is also a writer. Ah, yes. Yeah. That's, uh, th- thank you very much for that, You're Brenda. welcome. House of Cards is a British show that has been remade for an American audience. Mm-hmm. So um, I did some intensive searching. Okay, I went on Wikipedia uh, and I found there's a huge list of, of British shows that have been turned into American shows. They basically just take the name of the show and then put USA <laughs> on the end of it. But um, I found I found some of these. Uh, I found Coupling. Coupling, you mm-hmm. remember that one? Which is quite funny for a British uh, I didn't think That's, it was remake I, worthy. It was. It was, it was, it was a little the, bit mad about you wish. Oh, it was the show that I'd, I'd lots of people tell me. Oh, so you're watching Coupling? Are you loving Coupling? And I was like, yes. Coupling and then is, I lost is those the friends. show in between the two shows that you actually want to watch. So you go, ah, oh, this is really awesome. Oh, and I have to watch Coupling for 25 minutes. But then the next one's awesome. <laughs> but there's some good insights in that that I've tried to steal and make ads out of. So that's oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll give it that. But anyway, that got cancelled after four episodes. They tried to remake Dad's Army. <laughs> No. And they called it the rear guard. Oh, hello, matron. Um, pilot episode only. Uh, the IT crowd was remade, which I've actually seen. It was on YouTube for a while. You can't get it anymore. And it had Joel McHale in it. Oh. And I love Joel McHale and I love Community, but that made me hate him a bit because he was trying to play um, Roy. Uh, no, no, no. They actually had the the man who played Moss, Richard A. Ayodale. He was in... Aody. Aody, he was in the British version and the American version, mm-hmm. and then they had um, uh, Joel McHale playing Roy, and it was cheesy and American and horrible. It was exactly like when they tried to do the British, the American remake of the British Office, and when they tried to play by the British rules as opposed to owning it and making it their own, it was horrendous. Um, they've redone the thick of it, um, which is Veep, which I've heard is apparently actually very That's, good. It's, it's actually yeah, yeah it's quite it's, good. Yeah. it's pretty good. Mm. And um, and one thing that they've tried to remake time and time again is Faulty Towers. They've given it three goes. They had um, Chateau Snavely, which starred Harvey Corman and Betty White. Uh, they had a show called Amanda's, which was starring B. Arthur. So obviously once all the Golden Girls had retired, <laughs> that was their next project. And then there was another show called Pain, which starred John Larroquette. Um, and all of them failed miserably because I guess you just – nobody can copy what John Cleese has. And, and I think Harvey Corman probably has the best chance of, of any of them. Yeah. A, a, great, a great comic actor, a really good slapstick a- actor. Uh, John Larroquette is, is not John Larroquette, is all voice and, and eyebrow-raising. Uh, that's – ooh. Ooh, that! Uh, oh, I've got Josh's knickers in a twist. You, you really have, and, <laughs> and it's thus hot weather. concludes it's... cherry on top. Thank you very much, Brenna Connie Glazebrook. We'll uh, we'll we'll have you back next week oh, to to you. do more of my more knicker twisting. twisting. Of you. <laughs> Will be my pleasure. Hey, um, when I cast my pod. Pork is on the table. Brett Cropley, you have important information for our listeners. Uh, yes, uh, yesterday, if you're listening uh, on the day that this is released. Which no one is. Why would you even say that? <laughs> Just say last Sunday. Just say last Sunday. No, no, no. So Wednesday. Oh, right. Community radio. Uh, you may have heard uh, a, a bit of a uh, campaign. Uh, to try and save the future of community radio as the radio spectrum on the analog side is sold off and uh, everybody goes to a digital because there's not enough funding basically for the community sector to do that along with them. Um, it's all about going to commit to communityradio.org.au. There's heaps of details there. There's a petition there. There are more action points uh, that you can follow up with. Uh, but it's very important, and uh, if community radio isn't uh, saved, then box cutters won't be around in this format. That's that's very true, because if we can't sneak into the studios at 3RRR, we are screwed. So help save uh, community radio, because it's where we all got our starts, and uh, it is a, a great place to learn how to end up doing stuff for free. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 332. I want to say thanks very much to Con Francescos for coming in and talking to us all about television. That was excellent. Uh, you can find his uh, his brand of advertising at pensoagency.com. 
and uh, and then let him do those those wonders for you. Or at least just talk to him about stuff because he's really interesting. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Glenn Diggory Doc Peters. <laughs> I'm Brenna, great up top, Courtney Glazer. <laughs> <laughs> I continue to be fresh cropping. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. John Richards edited this episode. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. So, Brett, if you want the show notes for this episode, mm. uh, you can uh, go to boxcutters.net slash episode 332 mm-hmm. and uh, find out a, a whole bunch of stuff. All one that, word or a dash? Or an no, no, it's just, just all one word slash episode 332. And those number number 332? Yep. And yep. Uh, and that's that's where you'll find uh, this particular episode and, and the show notes. You can find out why Brenda is called Great Up Top. Mm-hmm. It's because of her. That she needs a bra for. Oh yeah, yeah, because her mind so large and wobbly, it really <laughs> needs really needs being held together. Uh, I, in fact, we've got an expert on the phone right now. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>